I'm real excited about who we have coming in right now because uh, in amongst like amateur wrestling fans in the state of New Jersey, uh, Coach Scott Goodale is a name that's recognizable by everybody. He's the coach of Rutgers. But I want to I read a few things to you about him right now because uh, it's a pretty impressive resume. He was the coach of Jackson Memorial High School. He was named the New Jersey State Coach of the Year three times during his tenure with the Jaguars. Uh, he coached 41 district champions, 10 region champions, four state champions, five New Jersey State runner-ups, 16 state place winners. He's led his teams to two group four state championships, four Central Jersey group four sectional titles. And each year that he spent with Jackson Memorial, the Jaguars were crowned District 21 champions. One year they were ranked fourth in the country. So after dominating at the high school ranks, uh, he's joined by his assistant coach there, uh, John Leonardis, and they take over the Rutgers wrestling program. This is about 2007, 2008. And this is cool because you and I have talked about this before, keeping people close to you. You know, mm -hmm. you have a team, uh, you know, that works, and, and they just took their team to the next level. I think it's really cool that, you know, we're able to keep coaches from New Jersey and then bring them in to the Rutgers program, you know, yeah. keeping the local talent in and, and building their programs from within the state. And right. I know you know better than I do, but wrestling has a long history in New Jersey, and yeah, he's certainly going to do great things over there. Yeah, no doubt. And he has been. The past 11 years, he's been the head coach for Rutgers Scarlet Knights, uh, which is now a Big Ten school. Yep. And it's interesting because Big Ten wrestling is extremely competitive. We'll talk a, a little bit about that when we have him in here. You know, while he was there, he's brought them to the forefront of collegiate wrestling. Over the past four seasons, Rutgers achieved six All-Americans six since uh, 2009. Rutgers has earned two top 10 finishes, six top 25 finishes in USA Today NWCA Division One coaches poll, and these are these are you know big numbers we're talking about to be ranked that high in a program like that. But under his watch, they've produced six All-Americans, three conference champions, 58 NCAA championship bids, 18 Big Ten conference championship place winners, 42 place winners at the Eastern uh, Intercollegiate Wrestling Association championships, and basically, uh, you know, the program's just they're they're doing fantastic. And it's and I know he'll tell you it's not all about him. But he is in the business of building programs. He's done it at the high school level. He's done it at the college level. I'm real excited we're going to have a chance to talk with him now. Well, let's get to it. Welcome to Flashpoint, the Fire Inside podcast. Featuring leadership and team building principles designed to ignite your inner fire and help you reach your full potential. On our program, you will learn from professional athletes, military and business experts, inspirational figures, leaders in the fire service, and other top achievers who have reached the pinnacle of success in their chosen fields. And now your host, international speaker and best-selling author, Frank Viscuso. Well, Coach Goodell, thank you very much for being here. And uh, we just introduced everybody with your bio, which is pretty impressive. And But I want to bring it back to Jackson. Uh, first, starting off when you were wrestling at Jackson, you know, at Jackson Memorial High School. And, uh, and you had a goal to one day want to come back and coach. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. I was very fortunate, especially nowadays, like even kids I recruit to this day or even kids that are in my program have no idea what they want to do. So I knew at an early age what I wanted to do. Going through high school, um, I loved being in Jackson. I loved growing up in Jackson. Uh, I knew one day I was going to go away to school, come back and coach and teach at Jackson. That was all I ever wanted to do. My grandfather was a coach for 35 years in Far Rockaway. My father coached Holbrook Little League, Jackson Pop Warner, 
basketball programs. He coached everything. So in that town. So I knew from an early age that that's what I was going to do. I even got made fun of, you know, you're going to, you're going to be a gym teacher. And I would always correct my friends and tell them I was going to be a physical educator uh, when I come back. And that's the truth. I knew they knew what I wanted to do. And, and that's what I wanted to do. So I was very, very fortunate to be a part of that program, both on the, on the wrestling side, probably more importantly, and then of course the football side, I coached a lot of football, played football at Jackson. Um, and I wanted to coach football. So and then in the spring, I did a whole bunch of different things, softball with Coach Ayers, golf. I was even the golf coach at yeah. one point, uh, which was pretty neat because we had Matita Conk and Pine Barrens as our home courses, and that didn't last very long. But, <laughs> uh, but, but I did a lot there, and that's all I ever wanted to do was, was go away to college, come back, and be a part of Jackson. And, and so I was very fortunate when it came to that, and I had some great years there and from an athlete standpoint and from, a, from an educator and a, and a, and a coach standpoint. Now, from you mentioned you played a couple sports, you coach mm-hmm. at different sports. Do you think that kids today should play multiple sports? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, talk about this all the time. You know, there's a big burnout problem in this country. Um, there's a big burnout problem in this area, in this state. Yeah. Everything is, you know, about the single sport. You know, everybody's in a club on a travel team, and they're putting so much time into doing one thing. And I've seen these kids now that my son, who's 14, and my daughter's 16, I've seen these kids growing up, and they're superstars when they're 8 and 9, and before you know it, they're kind of fizzling out right. with really nothing to do. And, and you know, we've tried to take that approach with my family and my kid, and he plays three sports, and, and eventually he'll probably have to choose one or two, but he's certainly going to go through high school and start, you know, start with three and – and that'll be up to him on what he wants to do. But it, it's too much to just focus in on, on one thing. It's it's too hard. It's there's too many there's too many of these travel coaches and right. singular you know specialized coaches and specialized programs where they put so much on winning uh, and not the process. And and I think that's if we can get one thing across to parents nowadays is keep your kids involved, keep them active, keep them having fun. Most importantly, right. and when you're doing things year round in one in one way, it's a, it, it always ends up. So, you know, at least from what I see, coming back to bite you. So we've tried to keep that approach with our family, and it's so far it's been good. That's great. Yeah. You know, so I want to bring it back. Um, you come back to Jackson. You start coaching at Jackson, and you have tremendous success. Yeah. I mean, you've had great success. At one point, I think you were ranked, what, fourth in the fourth country? Fourth in the country, yeah. Fourth in the country. Fourth. You win state championships. Uh, like I said at the intro, we went over a little bit about your success there. But at some point, somebody came up to you and asked you, to develop a five-point, while you're the coach of Jackson, a five-point plan of how you would, I guess, build the Rutgers wrestling program. Yeah, at the time, Rutgers wrestling was about to, you know, the year prior was about to get cut. And NCAA, you know, Division One wrestling, a lot of programs have been cut. There was a time there was 270 programs. We're down to 80 programs. So uh, there's a lot of programs that have been getting cut. But cutting wrestling in New Jersey just didn't seem, right. you know, so – Coach Saatchi and Coach Ryan, the prior coaches at Rutgers, did a great job of saving it. And then I had a gentleman uh, by the name of Bill Ard who played offensive guard for the New York Giants, Super Bowl, won a couple Super Bowl rings with the Giants. His son was very active uh, in wrestling in New Jersey, and he was good friends with Bob Mulcahy. So I guess, you know, through their talks, one thing led to another, and he just asked me to simply write a five-point plan, how to make Rutgers wrestling great, relevant, whatever the case might be. And I took that as like, you know, all right, we're going to save this sport in this state. And it's right. another place we could send our guys and we can, you know, make Rutgers wrestling great. So I put a lot, of, you know, at first it started a bottle of wine on a napkin. True story. My wife and I yeah. at Carabras and Brick. And then I got, I just got into it and started doing it. And then I, 
you know, I'm probably not the best writer in the world. So I had my assistant coach at the time, John Leonard, or to this day, John Leonardis. He was a professor at the Petty School. I had him look at it. You know, I wanted him to make me kind of look smart. And uh, we developed this plan, and it was everything from academics, recruiting, camps, coaching staff, scheduling, fan base, all that stuff was in there. And I handed it in at the state tournament and thinking, okay, here's my here's the five-point plan you were looking for, and that was it for me. I didn't right. think anything of it. And then the next thing you know, I was on a six-hour interview, which so, was wild. So you didn't know that that was probably them recruiting uh, yeah, you? Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, looking back at it now, they probably looked at that and said, you know, maybe we should bring this guy in. And and uh, that's kind of how it went down. That's really how it happened. And I had no intentions. Like you said, we were fourth in the country uh, the, the year before that year. Right. And then the year before that, we were fifth in the country in wrestling. And then we had this team coming back that I think – is just built to maybe beat Blair Academy, which at the time is the number one high school team in the country. And I think we can do that because we have so much coming back. Not only that, we have a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade team that has just superstars down below. So this thing's built. Which, and this is Jackson. a lot more impressive than doing this at Blair Academy because they could recruit from everywhere. From, and you're yeah. just doing right here. Well, we, uh, yeah, it was, it was wrestling in this town was incredibly huge. And, yeah. and we had so many people behind it, and our our junior high programs and our our recreation program was always big. And I grew up in our recreation program, and my dad and brother were coaches in the rec program. So uh, even my sister wrestled in our rec program way back in the '80s. So <laughs> it was a it's a lifestyle in this town. So yeah. that's why I wanted to come back, and I had this vision: we're going to build this thing into such a monster right. where we're going to be one of the best teams in the country. And it started coming to fruition. You know, in 2004, 5, 6, and 7, and all that good stuff. And uh, it was happening, and I had no intentions on leaving because we were going to be better. Right. And as it turns out, the year I left, Doug Wood Stanley, who wrestled for me, takes over and has three state champs, right. which is a really hard thing to do in the state of New Jersey in one year. Yeah. So we had this thing built, and and uh, it's still in a great spot now with Dewey back at the helm. So uh, I never wanted to leave. I never – it was never – everyone says, oh, this is a dream job. Rutgers University was never a dream of mine. I never dreamed to be the Rutgers uh, wrestling coach. It was an opportunity that came from this five-point plan, and I had to make a major decision. And uh, there was so much I loved about the job that it was enticing, but there was so much I was leaving that that kind of scared me. But it was a major challenge, and I was into the challenge. And I'm still into the challenge, yeah. and that's what gets me well, up every you're day. You're doing an incredible job. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But your first recruiting class was – and a, a lot of people may not know this, but they, they rate or rank recruiting classes in football wrestling. And you yeah. had, what, fourth in the country? We were third in the country third our the first country. year. We ranked as high as third in the country. We had some great kids, you know, okay. some guys that can just wrestle. And we did it all with New Jersey kids for the most part. You know, they were, they were all Jersey kids. And the main guy was right here from Jackson, who I coached, was Scotty Winston. Uh, so that was the start of it. Joey Langle from Howell. Um, Nick Mendito, Coolis. Those two kids were from Ocean. So we had a lot of sure, sure kids, right. which was which was really cool. Trevor Meldy was from up north, but uh, Jesse Boyden was from the Brearley Regional School District. So we had a lot of, a lot of they were all Jersey guys, a lot of shore guys, and I thought to myself, this is going to be pretty easy, right? We have the number three recruiting class in the country if we can just keep backing it up. And nobody understands really what goes into it. You know, your your scholarships are limited. We're only a 9.9 sport. We have right. 9.9 scholarships. So you got to divvy up your scholarships, and some guys are on full ride, some guys are on half, some guys are on 20%, and that's still a, puzzle that we work with every single day today, you know? Right. So, uh, but yeah, I thought it would be easy. I thought, uh, but it just doesn't work like that. You know, you gotta, you gotta develop these guys. You gotta develop in so many more areas than just wrestling. And, and, uh, I kind of struggled with that early on, you know, I, 
I don't want to say I treated it like I, we trained like we were at Jackson because when we were at Jackson, we trained really, really hard. Yeah. But I just, in short, I just learned so much from those years, so many things I I did wrong as far as the academic side with kids and the and the social side with kids and and even the wrestling side on how to peak them at the right times. I just, I had to get so much better. And I, I learned so much from those years and it's made me kind of the coach I am today. And that leads us to what? You came up with a three-point plan of things you focus on? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, through those years, I had to come up with a plan that we had to really attack every single day. And it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. One was academics, two was social life, and then three was wrestling, you know, the last part of it. And obviously academics it goes hand in hand. If you're doing a good job in the classroom and you're doing everything right and you're preparing in the classroom, there's nothing on the back burner. You're not thinking about anything. You could have a clear mind right. when you go into practice and prepare. So for me, it's all about preparation. Right. And uh, you can't prepare, though, if you're worried about what's on the next test or I'm missing this class, missing that class. I'm skipping here, skipping there. So those first couple of years, a lot of our time was dealing with academic problems. So you know, so I developed that part of it, the academic part. And then the social part, everybody thinks what I mean by social is just the party aspect of college. Listen, there's major distractions at Rutgers. We all know it. It's a great institution with a lot of people. And we you live know? in a year of social media yeah. or the day of social media, yeah. where which is people don't know how to interact socially. Yeah. So that's what I meant by social, you know, right. being able to talk to your professors. I make every kid take a public speaking class right. so they're able to go up and speak in front of people. We took a lot of our a lot of our guys would come to banquets with me or come to clinics with me and speak and things like that. So uh, that was really, really important. Instead of picking up a, a you know a phone and texting, which a lot of these coaches and a lot of these recruits, that's all they do. Right. You got to be able to talk and communicate and letting your professors know what you're doing, letting your parents know what's going on. You know, because it's it's a tough sport. It's a lonely sport. So, just having that dialogue and that talking social that was really, really important to me. And then the wrestling part is. It's not just wrestling. There's so much more to it. Your hygiene, your sleep habits, your diet, how you live your life, you know, how you go about things, your goals, things like that. Everybody thinks, you know, be great at three o'clock and you're going to be great. Well, everybody's great at three o'clock. You know, everybody comes in and practices at three o'clock. So what makes you different? And that's the way we started talking to recruits. Right. How can you help us? What are you going to do different to raise the level of this program? And I think that's where we kind of started getting over the hump with some of these guys and 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 letting them understand there's so much more to this than just a seven-minute wrestling match. And right. it's all about... You're developing men, too. Yeah, well, you know? we're trying. We're certainly yeah. trying. I think we've done a great job, and and a lot of our guys go on and lead great lives and have great families and work in, you know, they're in the work world doing some great things, making some good money. But at the end of the day, it's their it's their values that they, I hope they would have gotten from from our program and, of course, their family. But but I, what we develop there is is important. You know, there's a lot of... Your, your character, your integrity, all that good stuff goes into yeah. it. And that's stuff we talk about every single day and, and how you handle losses. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, how you handle defeat. Well, that's I wanna, super I, important. And I want to I want to visit that a little bit because, you know, I'm in the fire service and sometimes mm -hmm. um, there's not a great performance on the fire ground, which is, is a very dangerous thing. But we get together, we have what we call a post-incident analysis, talk about what we did right, what we did wrong, what could we do better. Um, but a lot of that is just, you know, we want to try to be ready to do it again. Um, what do you do after a crushing loss? Like, what do you say to your team? What do you say to a player when yeah. they when they miss that one that they wanted? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I have a, I have a, a, maybe a different philosophy when it comes to this. Unless it's a really bad effort, unless there's no effort, I won't talk to my team after a win or a loss. I just never do because especially after a tough loss, 
if there's no effort issue, like if there's an effort issue, we're going to talk as a program. Right. And, you know, we'll get some things out. And I haven't had to do that much, fortunately. But if it's just from I got beat that day or I made a mistake here, very rarely will I talk to a guy individually or as a team after a tough defeat just because nothing good's going to come out of it. Right. I need to, you know, collect my ball bearings, so to speak, and think about it, watch film, look at it, and then go have – have a good talk, what we did right, what we did wrong. But you always learn from your losses, right. and that's really important. But I don't want—I never wanted my emotion because I'm an emotional guy, and I wear it on my sleeve. And if you watch a wrestling match, I'm into a match. And but if the match isn't interesting, watching you is. That, <laughs> I love watching you, you know, because well, you're into it. Yeah, I get into it because we live this life with these guys, and, right. and that's what hurts me the most, seeing them not, you know, achieve their goals or lose a tight match, things like that. So that's probably what hurts the most, you know. So— Again, I don't I don't let emotion get involved in it, but you gotta learn from those losses and you gotta learn from those mistakes. And and it's even more gratifying when you see somebody fix a mistake and do it right and do it better. And you'll never right. get it perfect, right? You'll never get it perfect. Otherwise we probably wouldn't be sitting here. But you have to chase progress. Yep. Right. And that's that's for me, that's what it's about. You know, wrestling I mean, I wrestled from the age of seven up till I graduated in high school. So I, I understand a sport, not to nearly to the extent that you do. But I know it's about, you know, mastering some basics, and then it's about the ability to adapt. Like, do you think that a wrestler, because I've known wrestlers, honestly, that had have won state championships that, that mastered five moves. Yeah. They mastered one or two takedowns, uh, one or two uh, pinning combinations, and the ability to ride a person out, whatever it may be. And, uh, and you know some of the guys. We can talk about yeah. them later. But, and I know you need to know more than five moves, but how important Not is— Not really. Okay, really. well, this is good. This yeah, is good. Not really. When I was in high school, I went to a wrestling club up north, and it was a, a really big one. You would absolutely know the people involved with it. And I'm watching uh, two brothers, both of which had won state championships, and, uh, and there's four brothers in the family. But one of them is, uh, is at, while we're down in the basement of their house, because this is the early time of their club, one of them is, is repetitively doing a single-leg takedown on his brother. Over and over and over again. And I'm sitting here thinking, now, this guy is, is literally one of the best takedown artists in the state. He technical falls everybody and lets him up, takes him down, lets him up, takes him down. Why is he practicing this basic move over and over and over again? And I didn't realize till years later it was about repetition. It was about muscle memory. It was about doing it so much that it was second nature mm -hmm. you couldn't do it wrong. Is that the kind of training that... Uh, yeah, I think so. And that goes back to kind of what we talked about with all these clubs and all these soccer coaches and all these baseball coaches. Everybody has a different gimmick or a different thing they're trying to sell you. It's, it's about doing two or three or four things right, doing them really, really good. We have an assistant coach right now, an associate head coach, Donnie Pritzloff, who's one of the best wrestlers in the world, one of the best wrestlers right. New Jersey's ever had. Yeah, he's got a number. If you, any, you ask anybody, he's got a great single leg. That's what he's known for, his right. single leg. And even yesterday in practice, he's talking about showing, Pritzloff. Yep. Pritzloff showing his single leg. He does two, three, four things really good. He can get off the bottom. He can ride if he has to. But eventually he's going to hit a single leg because it's over and over and over. So it's two or three. It's the basics. It's the, If you watch the national tournament, the national finals, it's, it's singles, doubles, go behind takedowns. If you watch the Olympic Games, there's very rarely do you see a big-time throw. Our best wrestler in this world – you know, Jordan Burroughs is a, shoots a double leg. Right. It's a basic. Now, and he peaked pretty late yeah, for yeah. the level that he's wrestling sure. at, yeah. right? So so it's, those are, you know, it's a single leg, it's a double leg, it's a go behind. Those are the basics of our sport, you right. know? And then you have to know how to protect your legs. You don't have to get off bottom. You have to be able to ride somebody. Of course that's, but they're all basic skills. These, these what I call 
camp moves, you know, nice right. moves that, that get people's attention. They're very rarely used in a, in a, in a big time match. Right. It may be used in the, you know, first round to, to try to be popular, but in a big time spot, right. trying to win a championship against the best guys in the country comes down to the basics of the sport. So that's what I've always believed in. I see it more now every day because I'm around Donnie. Uh, and I see how he goes about his business of teaching and learning and, yeah. and, uh, but he's not learning anything new. He's learning different ways to get to that single leg. A lot of times, I think it comes down to uh, aggression. You know, at the right time, knowing when to when to go. But that leads me to a question that I wanted to ask you: Can you teach aggression? You know, that's kind of a loaded question. It's uh, I think you could teach a kid to be tough in spots. You know, but I think it could be a mindset and a philosophy on how to attack a certain situation, whether whatever sport it is. You know. Right. Uh, if you're somebody who looks at a first strike in baseball, well, are we going to teach a kid to kind of jump on that first strike in, in fastball? Yeah, I think you could teach that. You know, that's a philosophy and a, a focus. But at the end of the day, as far as guts goes, and you either have it or you don't. Right. And and we try to put our guys in – we try to get it out of them more often than not, but you could see it. We try to put our guys in strenuous situations in the practice room where it's really, really hard and really, really difficult. And at the end of the day, you always find the guy that will shy away from it or embrace it. And uh, we got a lot of guys right now that will embrace it. And I just think what that does is, and I'm, again, I'm speaking about wrestling here, late in matches when you're really tired and hurting, they find a way to gut it out, so to speak. And I think you could teach that. I think you can get that out of them through preparation. Just putting them in difficult situations. In difficult situations. So when they see it in the real world yeah. or on the mat in your case – they're prepared for that. Yep. And that, you know, this is, it's funny you bring that up because that could be, you could do that in so many different ways as a coach. You know, we do it, all these guys nowadays where they like to listen to that rap music, right? They all right. like the rap music, whoever it is. I don't know these guys, but they like it. We'll make them listen to country music because it's out of their comfort zone. You know, right. they hate it, but they got to lock in on the, what the, fo you know, yeah. what the, fo so little things like that, put them in. I mean, that's something silly. No, no, I get it though. But it's an uncomfortable situation. They're not used to it. They don't like it. And they got to deal with it. They got to deal with the adversity and get get done what needs to get done. You, uh, you even at the recruiting level, I heard you say that you you ask when you're in their house, you ask, "Can I see your room?" Yeah, I've done that quite a bit. I've done that quite a bit. I want to know how these guys are living, you know. Yeah. And that that all stems from when I started doing a little bit different different philosophy on the recruiting right. trail. And I just I needed to know everybody we were bringing in the room. And listen. Do we still have some live wires in our program? Absolutely. I think every, and I think you need it. You know, it keeps us on edge. It's good for us. But I, these kids I bring in nowadays, they got to be able to fit fit the mold of what we're trying to do. They got to be able to buy into the vision. buy into the vision. Be a, be presentable not only to our our staff and our our RU wrestling family, but our administration. You know, I want our athletic director Pat Hobbs to have relationships with with our wrestlers. That doesn't happen often. We, we're fortunate. We well, you, have that. You have relationships with the janitors. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, you, really, yeah. really, because it, it's one team. Most important people in the building. Yeah. Most important people in the building. I always felt that way. Them and the cafeteria workers for certain reasons. Well, but, and speaking <laughs> on that, I noticed you have a lot of Italians on your team. So I'm sure you, uh, yeah. when you're recruiting, it's you part get of some the, good yeah, meals. It's part of the recruiting process. Right. You know, we, we, we get a good idea who we're bringing in just from that alone. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, what about... Um, just motivating a team in general. Like, how do you, I know what you want to accomplish. I mean, yeah. obviously your goal, right now you're, you're ranked, uh, you're either 10th or 12th in the country. I'm not sure. And that doesn't matter. That, yeah. That's just what people, polls. Yeah. 
But no, but you know it does matter, and that's another that's a okay. different philosophy I have probably than any other coach in the country. Okay, those polls matter to me. I'm up at six o'clock this morning waiting for the one seventy four pound, you know, preseason poll in September to come out. Okay, now that doesn't matter to anybody, but it does to me because our kids rank fourteenth. So now we have five of the first seven guys ranked. It's a higher national ranking. I can now send out a, a recruiting pamphlet to recruits. Instead of being ranked 12th in the country, we'll probably be ranked top 10, 8, right, 7, 3. So all that matters. Yeah. All that is a direct relation, you know, direct correlation to your program and what you're doing. If you're not ranked at all and Jordan Pagano's not ranked at Harns, then we're not doing something right. right. You know what I'm saying? So right. believe it or not, and I know, and that's that's my philosophy. Now, does that matter? Should a kid worry that, oh, I'm 14th, he's third, oh, there's no way I could beat him? No, but we deal with that. We talk about that all the time. Those rankings from a number standpoint, don't matter. From a coach's standpoint and a recruiting right. standpoint, to me, they matter because there's, th there's things I can do when we're top 10 in the country. I can compare ourselves to Nebraska and Iowa and yeah. Lehigh and Cornell, where if, if I'm 20 in the country, I'm, I'm going after a whole different group. And that's, that's, so that's why it matters to me. And New Jersey wrestling is just so dynamic. I mean, it's, 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 it's a culture in this state yeah. to where if you could just keep the New Jersey wrestlers right here at yeah. Rutgers, you'll always be competing at the highest level. Yeah. And, and I and know your goal is to bring people from, and you have people from Ohio yep. and elsewhere. Yes, but that's a good, that's a good point. And, you know, it's a, it's a great wrestling state. And everybody says that if you could keep everybody home. Well, like I said earlier, we only have 9.9 .9 scholarships. It's hard to keep the best wrestlers in New Jersey because they're, they're so competitive around the country. You know, between Pennsylvania, Ohio, and New Jersey, California is really good. It's one of the top states in the country. So every college coach is coming into this state trying to get these guys. And a lot of it comes down to finances based on family needs. And uh, so you can't keep them all home. You just got to get the right ones. Right. You got to target the right ones. And you got to target them early. And you got to build relationships with not only them, but their their parents, and unfortunately, he goes into the club levels as well. So, which I shouldn't say unfortunate, because I have great relationships with everybody who runs a club in the state. But you know, it gets into everything, and that's 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 recruiting. And there's so much more that goes into it than just a phone call, come wrestle for Rutgers. You know, that's uh, there's so much. There's a relationship that has to be developed. There's got to be trust. There's got to be all that to to make this work. Yeah, well, you know, wrestling's a unique sport too because it's it's a team sport, but yep. it's based on your individual performance. I think if you are a, um, if you're an average athlete on a football field, you might not be exposed. But if you're average on a wrestling mat, it's just you and that other opponent. Yeah. So what do you do to, to prepare um, people just for the fact that, yeah, we are a team, but your individual performance matters? Yeah, so that's something we've done ever since I was at Jackson. You know, right. the, the team was always first, and, and dual meets were always really, really important. Obviously, in high school, they were super important. When you go to college, it's all about the last three days of March. But just developing a family-type atmosphere and a team-first type atmosphere goes a long way because there's no way you can make it in this sport. And I'll use Anthony Ashnall. You know, he's, he's a three-time All-American. There's a good chance he, if things work out, he could be a four-time All-American and hopefully a national champ. And for the people listening, I want to tell you, I mean, you have two players on your team that were four-time national champions and undefeated. Uh, Anthony Ashnell, I think, was 141 and zero. In 170 and 0. Was he 170 yeah, he was and 170 0? 170 and 0, which yeah. is amazing. And then you have Nick Siriano, um, but he's coming back three-time All-American, Anthony Ashnell. Mm -hmm. um, and what were you going to say? about I him? was just going to say he's he's only as good as the guys around him. He's only as good as 
as the as the team. Right. And and what I mean by that is he needs one, he needs workout partners. Right. But you got to be surrounded by the guys that are sharing all the same goals. You know, they need to be sharing the same goals that Anthony's sharing right. and vice versa. And if you're not surrounded, and we have a lot of guys that are motivated to do well. Right. And if Anthony didn't have that, there wouldn't be that success. And they always talk about in the recruiting process, well, we got to have workout partners. Well, we're fortunate enough we have people around him that are trying to do the same thing that he's doing. So whether it's a late night workout, uh, we talked about, you know, not being a three o'clock or everybody works hard at three o'clock. Right. Well, somebody's got to work out with Anthony at eight in the morning because that's what he wants to do extra. Somebody's got to go run with him at nine o'clock because he wants to do extra. So that's all about the team. And it's not just Anthony. It's Nick Gravina. It's Jordan Pagano. It's Rajon Gross, our heavyweight, who played football for three years, now comes back. Well, he had such this team atmosphere around them. There's no way not to work hard, right. not to do extra. So that it's for me, it's always been it's been about the team. Individually, will take care of itself because it's an individual sport. You have to do your job individually, which will ultimately help the team. When I was at Jackson, there was more to it in high school, right? You had kids who you're pulling out of the hallways and you're just making them tough, hard-nosed kids who maybe don't get pinned or maybe right. don't get tech-falled or, you know, things like that or, or save bonus points. They're not great wrestlers, but they're in great shape. They're great athletes. They're great athletes. They train really hard and they buy into the vision of the staff saying, this is your job. We need to to do your job. And if you could do your – and we talk about all, just do your job do your and job. you'll be fine. Do your job and everybody, yeah. you know, and you, you mentioned a little bit about Anthony Eshelon. I just want to tell you, see, I met Anthony a couple of times. Um, my boys were wrestling at a club not too far from here. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came in off season and he was training. Matter of fact, he was doing some training with Frankie Edgar, yes. helping Frankie prepare yep. uh, for a fight. They wrestling. do that a lot. They do that yep. a lot. And watching them two wrestle is, is really a treat, mm -hmm. by the way. But um, he took time to talk with the boys, to connect with them and, I thought I was really impressed with him as a man, but I want to talk a little bit about and socially, socially, very good socially, socially, very good socially. So he's a good representative mm -hmm. for Rutgers. He would make a great captain, yep. but you don't have captains. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah, I just uh, and, and I should probably retract this from a speech I gave over Christmas break last year. I, I there there's been a year. Billy Ashnault was a captain. Mike DeMarco was a captain. Okay. Vinny Delafon. I've had captains. And I know Vinny, too. One, He's yeah. a class act. Yep. So there's a year where I've had him. So one year. Okay. One year. And here's the reason I don't believe in it. Uh, we have our leaders. Obviously, Anthony's a great leader. Right. Uh, a lot of times, coaches pick the captains based on who the best kids are, right? Right. So I never wanted to get into that. Secondly, you you put so much added pressure especially in this sport. Anthony Ashnault doesn't need my added pressure to know what's going on over at this house or in this class. Why is this freshman not doing well? Why is this senior not doing well? Anthony, take care of this locker room. Why is this place a mess? Anthony Ashnault's trying to win a national tournament from an individual standpoint, which could be one of the harder things to do. Right. He doesn't need me constantly, uh, and then I'm using Anthony because that's who we're talking about, but even going back to when I was at Jackson, I never wanted to put the added pressure on our guys. They know who the leaders are. Right. I know who I go to when I need something done or, you know, uh, you know things like that. I, I know the guys, and, and, and our guys know the guys to go to. A lot of guys lead through their work, you know, their work. Anthony leads through his work ethic. Right. You know, I watch Nick Soriano now. I mean, it's been most of the summer, but uh, first couple of days of preseason, he's not leading with his mouth. He's leading by his example and how hard he prepares every day and how right. hard he trains. Which, so, and, and, and here's a kid— and I don't know if we can talk about this, but here's a, uh, a kid, Nick Soriano, who wrestled for Penn State last year. Correct. Transferred to come to New Jersey to wrestle mm -hmm. for Rutgers. 
What was it about that? Was it about wanting to be home, wanting to be with the family? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think some things happened there where he just wanted to be back home. He felt comfortable, probably should have never left to become. He's a different type of kid. Right. Uh, this is his life. He loves this sport, and he's a quiet kid, but he's very determined. So maybe he just didn't fit in there. I don't know the reasons, and I don't— I, I do. I don't want to get into him. You know, I don't think it'd of be course. fair to get into him, no, but he's back with us now. We're grateful for that. Uh, he'll bring a whole different dimension again because of his work ethic and the way he prepares, goes goes about preparing for the sport every day. He'll be a leader just by example. Yeah. But some of these times you get the rah-rah guys that aren't the best, aren't your best leaders, you know? Sometimes uh, they make bad decisions when exactly. they're and then in their I personal life. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, when I was about to make captains a couple years ago, a couple of those guys made... Not not terrible decisions, but something you don't want your captain doing. So yeah, I was like, right. I was done with that. So that that's just my philosophy. I'm not saying it's the right no, way. I, I understand yeah. it. I understand. That's why I wanted to talk a little yeah. bit about it because it's more about the team than anything yeah. else. That's why, yeah. you know, some great baseball teams don't have names on back of their jerseys. Right? There you go. Because it's about yeah. the team. I want to talk about the fans now because yeah. New Jersey fans are passionate. But I have a few things I want to read here. 2016-17 dual campaign. Uh, Rutgers is undefeated at home, six and zero. In the Big Ten, you're six and three, which is interesting you're, when you're ranked tenth in the country yeah. and fifth in the Big Ten, Big Ten. to show you how competitive yeah. Big Ten is. Uh, but at the Battle of the Birthplace versus Princeton, um, which you guys won nineteen to sixteen, High Point uh, Solution Stadium, um, the you broke or you were the second largest crowd in NCAA dual yeah. history for wrestling. That's yeah. pretty impressive. But on top of that, you were number five in national attendance average two years in a row. And I think now you have over 1,200 season tickets sold. Yeah, for this 1,500 year. right now. Now 1,500. Yeah, now 1,500. And that, that's up from just a few days ago. Yeah. Um, you have some seriously passionate fans here in New Jersey. We do. We have. It's a rabid fan base. They love wrestling. Um, I would like to think we're giving them something to, to cheer about and to watch and to be excited about. But it's, uh, it's something we work on incredibly. Like people, being a wrestling coach, they think you just go in and show moves. That marketing side of things, right. putting people in the stands, and I always get, you know, what was your vision? I get that question a lot. What was your vision of this program? And, of course, you always say, oh, we're going to win a national title. I want to win a national title. I have this vision. We're going to win a national title, and we work on it every single day. But part of the vision was to wrestle in front of sold-out arenas, a sold-out rack. Right. People laughed at me. We didn't sell season tickets the first three or four years. We didn't even sell season tickets. It was walk up and, you know, our first year, I think it was January 4th, 2008, we wrestled in front of 22 people at College Ave Gym. Wow. And now it's, but that's all, that's our staff. That's our marketing department. That's our guys. It's something we work on every day. When I get up to work today, I'll spend the whole ride on the way up calling high school coaches to get them to Yankee Stadium because I want to wrestle in front of fans at Yankee Stadium. And that's, our staff does that. And then we never stop, you know, promoting our program, but promoting wrestling and getting people out. Because once you come to a match, it's over. Right. You'll, you'll always want to come back. Right. It's a, the, the energy's amazing. It's a great atmosphere. It really is. And, and we have a product now where it's fun to watch. And right. it's a great conference, like you said. And, and this year, we'll bring in Iowa on December 8th. We'll bring in Ohio State on January 7th. We'll bring in Penn State January 28th. Yeah. And we'll bring in Minnesota February 11th, I think it is. So you talk about a home schedule. And I think you're also wrestling at uh, Giant Stadium. Yankee Stadium. I mean, Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. Stadium. Yeah. So we'll we'll put a lot of time into continuing to grow this fan base, but you're right. It's a rabid fan base. Yeah. They're knowledgeable about the sport. They really do know wrestling, and, and that's good. And with that comes expectations, and we certainly have right. expectations. Well, I mean, everybody, you're right. You, you have a great presence in the community. Um, I, and I told you this when we spoke the other day on the phone, but I have friends 
whose kids are freshmen in, in high school and younger, whose dream now is to wrestle for Rutgers yeah. because they see what you're doing with the program. They're, they're, they're fans of the wrestlers that you have because these wrestlers go to these local clubs yeah. or they go to these schools, they connect with them. And so now when they're watching them, uh, whether it be live or if they see them on TV and when they're watching them wrestling, they feel like they're watching, you know, uh, just a, a, a star yeah. in their eyes. You know, it's somebody that they look up to. It's an idol. And, uh, and that's a credit to a program you helped develop. And I, I really appreciate well, it. Well, I'll tell you this. It's uh, just real quick. It was, it was, there's a lot of people involved in it, but that's part of the vision. But part of my right. vision was, I always said to my wife when it was, for, when we were struggling early on, I was going through all those, why are we not having all Americans and why are we not doing this? What am I doing? I got so much more out of it at Jackson, me feeling sorry for myself. When I was at Jackson, those kids, you pull them out of a hallway. They love you forever. It's like, you're, you're making an impact. And my wife would always say to me, you know the impact you're going to make when every little kid's growing up wearing a Rutgers wrestling T-shirt and eventually they're going to want to wrestle at Rutgers. Right. And I thought that's that's what it's all about. That's kind of what I always wanted to do. I wanted to make – I got tired of seeing Penn State wrestling, Lehigh wrestling in New Jersey. That right. bothered me so much, even when I was at Jackson as a high school coach. So to get that to, to the point, and again, it's not just me. There's so many people behind it, and our staff is, is you know, John Leonardis has been with me from day one. Right. Frankie Egger's been with me from day one, so yeah. he always carries the Rutgers flag, and obviously he's a little bit more busier these days, you know, with his career, but he's been with us since day one, and, yeah. and I'll never forget those days when it was really hard to where we are now, and we still have a long way to go because that vision is still there, and it went. my vision went from saying we're going to win a national title to probably let's let's win an, a trophy at the national tournament, meaning you're a top four team in the country, and then well, the rest actually, will take care of itself. That's an interesting point because I think we have the same philosophy here where you want to set high goals, but you want to set ones that aren't so high that it's frustrating. Yeah. Because it seems like let's let's climb our way up there, not you know, because you you can't always just come in and say I'm going to win a national championship in one year. Yep. Uh, maybe you can say I, we, we're going to win one within ten years. Yeah. You know, but you want to talk a little bit about that realistic yeah, goals? Yeah, that's realistic goals are important. It's something you got to look at every single day. And that's, you know, I'm trying to teach my kid this now. Like, goals are important. What are we doing? We're just, are we just doing it that fun? Are we doing it for a purpose? What's the reason you do this? Well, at our level, there, there's a reason behind why you're doing this to attain these goals. And it's something you got to look at, but they have to be attainable, right? right? They have to be attainable. They have to be realistic. Um, and, and you could have some that are a little bit far fetched, but your lifestyle and the way you live your life and the way you prepare every single day, how you get up every single day has to measure what you're trying to attain. I can't sit here. And we talked about this where you can't put everybody at the first meeting. And this is another thing. Again, this is my philosophy. I don't do goals until after Midlands from an individual standpoint, okay. which is halfway through our season. Right. Because at our, at our first meeting in years past, everybody writes down, I'm going to be a national champ. But then your, your lifestyle and the way you live and how you prepare and how you train doesn't match up to a national champ. So we had to get these guys to get through the first couple months of the preseason, you know, and the, the season and then a couple matches to say, now what are your goals? Now right. you see what it takes. So they have to be realistic, but I think more importantly, the way you live your life, you can't be fake about it. You got, that has to match up to what you're trying yeah. to attain. Yeah. Your, you know? your actions have to match your intentions. If, if I, if I spent all my time, you know, in my backyard in the pool or over here at Pine Barrens golfing and not, right. you know, and listen, I love to golf and I'll golf, but I do that with donors and alum and things like that. So it's fun. But if I spent my whole time doing that and then I would say, I want to be a top 10 team that doesn't match up. Right. So my goals have to match up too. So it's every day we work every single day, whether it's a phone call, uh, but it's every day with our staff. It's all about habits. You know, we, we all have habits. And if you don't have 
productive daily habits, again, it's not going to match with the goal. And uh, I think a lot of people, if they're not getting the results they want, they're either not doing the right activity or not enough of the right activity. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so much nowadays is if you don't get the the results, it's you kind of run away. A lot of people nowadays are running away. And I don't want to bring, I'm not talking about transferring, but if they quit, they stop. They give you know, up. They give up because it's hard. Right. And there's some adversity there. This yeah. isn't in any any walk of life. It's not supposed to be easy, but you can't just quit and walk away. That's the worst thing you could do. And there were times I was like, what did I do? But that just kind of, that's why I get up now. You know, that's what gets me up and that's what motivates me is where we're at and where we are now. Uh, but that was, it's a lot of hard work. And that's, right. you got to go back. I'm not saying do the same things and do them wrong and have the same results. You might have to change some things. Change right. is a big part of it. Um, but that's, you can't walk away from defeat. You know, dealing with adversity is the most important thing in this world. That builds character. It's who you are. Right. If everybody had it easy, nobody has it easy. You got to, the great ones don't have it easy. There's so much that goes into it. So it's something we talk about every day, but developing the right habits, good habits, but the right habits, the ones that fit your style and your philosophy are, are super important. And it, but being a father of three boys, that's one of the reasons why I want my boys to compete. I yeah. want them to face adversity in sports. Yep. So they can learn how to overcome it. They can learn to work hard, achieve their goals, because that can carry on anywhere in life. Yeah. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing like it. Or at least right. from my standpoint, maybe because I've been around it my whole life. But I've I've been in a car ride. I've been in a car ride with my son all the time. He's upset and he's crying. That's that's life. Listen, you, we got to get better. You got to get better at what you do. And and he's had a ton of adversity just in his shortcomings. You know, he plays on a very competitive baseball team yeah. where he's a star maybe on this on his school team, and then he comes to his travel team and he's just one of the guys. Well, that's not, that's, you got to, we got to do more. You got to do better. You got to hit. You don't hit. You don't prepare. You don't. So we have those conversations. But again, I got to also, I got to be his dad too. And that's, I think, super important. You know, sometimes you got to step away from just being, being a coach and just be a parent. That's great. So what's next for you? What's, what's your goals for this season? Uh, Again, we won't, you know, we, we have some goals as a, as a program right now. We won't get into it until we get through this preseason, but obviously there's expectations within this program. You know, we want to do well at the national tournament. We want to put as many guys on the podium as possible. Uh, we want all Americans. We want national champs. We have guys in our room that can do that. Uh, I've been saying that for years now. We just haven't had that national champ. We're super close. Obviously, Anthony's been close, but we've had a, multiple Americans the last couple years. Uh, Anthony Parati started this whole thing for us, and Kenny Theobald was an All-American as a Tom's yeah. River boy out of nowhere. So that was great for him, and it shows we're developing our guys. But it's, a, it's to continue to put people on the podium, continue to win big matches. Dual meets will always be important. And, you know, for me, and maybe this is just personal, I, I want to knock off one of those big four. I really do. I just, yeah. I just can't imagine, you know, again, maybe this is selfish. Maybe this is me just thinking out loud. But I remember wrestling, you know, we're wrestling Freehold Borough and Manchester and Jack Liberty and Brook Memorial and – to, you know, 10 years later to go pick off in Iowa or Ohio State, Penn State, that'd be pretty cool. Right. And that's just something I just, from a personal standpoint, would love to do. Uh, that's always been a goal of mine. But at the end of the day, this this t this program needs to be a top 10 program year in and year out. I think yeah. we're at that point now. You're sustaining there. it. Yeah. Sustaining it is, is something that's very difficult. We'll try to continue to do. Yeah, because you don't just uh, maintain where you're at. You're either getting better or you're going backwards. Yeah, and I, so I totally get that. Uh, last thing I want to ask you is who are some of the people that have inspired you? Like what coaches yeah. um, have you looked up to? A professional, amateur, high school, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, my grandfather was was really big in influencing me because he coached for 35 years, right? He was a, a football coach and a 
baseball coach at Far Rockaway High School. Won a ton of ton of championships in the city. So I always would talk with him when it came to sports. My dad obviously was a big influence because he coached us growing up and all my friends. So that was pretty cool. And then as I got a little bit older, there were some people I, I gravitated to. Gravitated to Chris Barnes, who was our, my first football coach. Or when I came back to Jackson, I was on his staff as a coach. And we weren't very good at all. We lost a lot. But this guy just stuck with it day in and day out. And every day had a great practice plan. And we had a great practice. And, you you know, people who play out there who've played high school football, when you're two and seven and have to play that Thanksgiving day, nobody wants to come to practice. Right. But every day was a great practice. So I think about that every day. No matter what's going on in my life, when I get down in that wrestling room, nobody cares. There's got to be energy and enthusiasm, two things you can always control. And I get that, I think, from Chris Barnes because every practice he had in those late, cold November days were great practices. So there's no reason not to always. So I always looked up to him and – um, my college coaches were pretty influential, just the way they lived their life. Carl Poff and Rocky Bonomo, uh, very spiritual guys who, you know, family was always first for them. So those are kind of the guys I looked up to. Right. And uh, I'm a big fan of Bobby Bowden and Jim Trussell, but I don't really, you know, communicate with those guys much. But. <laughs> <laughs> so just reading a bunch of books and things like that, those are kind of the guys I, I kind of follow after. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, listen, Coach, I'm, I'm real – thankful that you took time to come in and speak with us today. Uh, it's a thrill for me being a fan of the program. Well, you know I appreciate you I having me, man. I really do. This was kind of neat. This was fun. You got a great setup here, by the way. Congrats on that. Thank you. <laughs> man, that was great. You know, it takes so much to become a, uh, a top 10 program in, in any form of athleticism or, or athletics in college these days. And I'm glad we had the opportunity to have Coach Goodell on to share some of his thoughts and philosophies with us. If people want to follow him, you could follow him and the Rutgers Wrestling Program on Instagram. They have some pretty active pages, and and you could watch them train and and just uh, keep in contact with them and what's happening with the program. Uh, Chris, how can people keep in contact with us? Yeah, Frank, really the easiest way, head right over to our website, fireinsidepodcast.com. Right at the top of the page there, you have a link to all our socials. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fireinsidepodcast. Also, our Twitter and Instagram links. We're pretty active on all of those. Definitely also make sure you check out our YouTube page. We do some exclusive content there, kind of behind the scenes, um, extra stuff that gets cut out of the actual podcast, but some really great stuff over there. Check that out. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Also, if you'd like to purchase any of the books from um, either Frank or any of our guests, shoot over to our website, fireinsidepodcast.com. Click on the shop link up at the top. That'll bring you to our page broken down by episode of each one of our guests. And those will take you over to our Amazon affiliate links where you can pick up a copy. Also, wherever you're listening to us, whether it's on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, stop by one of those pages, give us a like. Leave a comment. Reviews are always great. We'd love to hear from you guys. And that's about it. So I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next time.